Hey everyone, welcome to Stuff About Sales. This is your co-host, Hannah Punsick, here with Jimmy T. We're excited to have our guest today, Yogun Porthouse. Yogun is the co-founder of Sales Flare. Today we're going to be talking about CRM and sales organization relationships. Welcome, Yogun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I think a, a good place to start, if you can just tell us a little bit about Sales Flare and, and your company and what you guys do. Yeah, so uh, in very short, Salesware is a, it's a CRM, so a customer relationship management system uh, for small and medium-sized companies who sell B2B. So what we essentially help with is uh, following up your leads in a better way, uh, and specifically for, for B2B sales. Um, why another CRM? You're maybe wondering because there's already like, there's actually, I, I think about 700 uh, CRM companies out there. Um, this is because we didn't find any that worked really for us. We always found that when we were trying to follow up leads with other systems, that at some point we would give up on doing the data input and then, uh, our whole system would fall apart because every CRM out there is built with the expectations that you're going to, uh, fill it out, uh, diligently. Um, uh, every little thing you do needs to be in there. Every little piece of information you, uh, find about a prospect you put in there. And we don't think anyone can keep up with that. At least we, we, we certainly couldn't. Um, so we built a system that automatically uh, gets all that data together. So it's not dependent on you. It's basically the robots working for you. Computers are way better at uh, doing the, the data management than, than, than us, especially salespeople. We don't really, we want to be working with customers. We don't want to be like working with the CRM uh, per se. So we built a system that automatically gets stuff together and then helps you follow up your leads in a better way. Because as soon as you have all that data, uh, then you can unlock so much more. Yeah, it's it. I was so prior to the podcast, I was doing some research and it actually seems like the salesperson's dream because it, it pulls in um, it pulls in all all kinds of um, sources about the contact, right? Their LinkedIn uh, information. It can pull in other things about the lead and the contact. So the AE really can spend their time doing the sales activities. They don't have to spend the time doing the admin work to build out the prospect profile in, this, in the CRM. Yeah, it's everything from uh, the contact information from publicly available sources, but also from from your mailbox part, yeah, from email signatures, because there's a lot of information there as well. It just all gets combined. Then on the company level, we also get an extra information that we find in company databases and already added there for you, so that you don't need to add that manually. It's just just available, right? And then on the on the the timeline level, if you like, if you want to know all of the contacts you had with the, the people at the company, it automatically pulls in the emails, the phone calls from your phone, the meetings from your calendar. It integrates email tracking. So you see whether they open stuff, click on things, go to the website. So basically that's all mapped automatically. And then it does other stuff like um, measuring the relationships you're having with customers, which is, which is not super interesting for yourself. But if you are like working with a team and you want to know who else at your in your team knows someone at the company and how well they know them. It, it measures that and shows it to you. Uh, but also based on the tracking says, well, we, it looks like this customer at this moment is very interested in what you're offering. And then it uh, sends you a little notification. And then on top of that, it all does all kinds of other stuff. Like it, um, it tells you, it seems that 
it's been X days since you followed up and you said you want to follow up every set amount of days in a certain stage in the pipeline and it's a good moment to follow up or we see that you forgot to answer this email or all this kind of little uh, nuggets that help you. So what, what role, so how did this idea come about? Were you, were you in a leadership role and you were finding that this was, um, this was lacking in the visibility that you were having, or was this something where you had feedback from account executives and they were saying, this is really a, just a cumbersome process to continue to use the old CRMs that we all know about. Um, and, and then they're being asked to put in all this data and they're, they're thinking to themselves, how is this going to help me close the deal all the time? Uh, you know, so-and-so is asking me to put this in here and put this in here and they want to see it from two levels up. Um, but for me, it's yeah. not helping me work with my prospect. Is, is that kind of how the, the, was that the catalyst? Uh, to be honest, it was a long journey of pain for me. Uh, it was, uh, four years working in Salesforce, um, first, which I, I took very seriously at the beginning because it was the first time I was exposed to a CRM. I was working in a marketing consultancy and I had to use Salesforce to keep track of everything. Um, and we also use it with clients. I saw that I wasn't really using it the way the website said I should be using it, uh, for various reasons. And that if we would deploy it and we would work for pharma companies, the salespeople would definitely also not use it the way we intended it to be used and that we couldn't do all the cool stuff we were building around it. Um, so we were always making applications that would make these things somehow easier. And then fast forward, I, I started a few companies and at some point I got involved um, in the company of my current co-founder. He was um, selling business intelligence software to big companies. And we had a lot of leads after a, a big conference we went to in um, in Vegas. Actually, it was a big IBM conference. And we tried to organize ourselves really well around that because we were selling to people that, that uh, weren't very uh, communicative or quick at buying or something. So we had to follow up very uh, cautiously over a long period of time. And we didn't really find anything that worked for us. And that's when things started clicking like we were, we were already in the business of uh, bringing data together and organizing it. Um, and we saw that in CRM, it seems like light years behind somehow, um, all software was built with the expectation that, uh, salespeople would fill it out manually. And the prevailing notion was that salespeople, that it didn't happen because salespeople were lazy, right? Even when I was doing customer <laughs> interviews based on that initial idea we had, I would ask like, uh, what kind of software do you use? How do you organize your, your sales? What role does software play? How can it be better? And everybody was like, well, it can't be better. Uh, it's not, it's, the software is not the issue. It's really the salespeople. They're lazy. We just make their bonus dependent on it. If they really don't do it, we fire them. That was sort of the solution. And we were like, mm. There's probably still some stuff we can uh, we can fix in the software. It's not the it's probably not entirely the salesperson's fault right. that they that they don't fill it out. Um, so we're working on that now uh, for seven years, and a lot of things have changed in the meantime. Actually, uh, you can see that sales software is becoming more and more about uh, the actual sales and less about the documentation, uh, which is nice to see. It's so true. So. Thank you for saying that, because I think it's 
the way that you know that you're solving a problem is because you if, if the CRM, if, if CRM um, data management was directly tied to sales success, you, you wouldn't have top performers that have crappy, um, what we would consider a crappy Salesforce hygiene or, or yeah. CRM hygiene because they, you know, you, you would say, oh, well, you know, they're, they mustn't be successful because they're not input, you know, these fields aren't completed in, in, my, in our CRM, but they seem to be a high performer otherwise. So how do you, how do you explain that? I think, I think that there is a gap between what um, I personally think there's a gap between what senior leaders want to see in the business. So you have the VPs, you have the director levels. They want to see data um, in there from a high level. They want to understand what's going on from a pipeline perspective, what's causing wins, what what might be affecting losses. But the AEs are sitting there saying, I don't I don't care. I don't care about that. Like, I, I don't need to do this to, to win my deal. Um, so there's, there is that dynamic there. So I think and to your point in the sales floor, uh, sales floor sounds like it's, it's solving that, which is, which is amazing. Um, I want to pivot a little bit, um, from, from the, I wanted to, I want to add something to that point. Actually, uh, I think people that don't put the things in Salesforce can still be successful because they're probably organizing themselves somewhere else because you need to be somehow, you need to be organized to manage all these things. It's just at some point as a salesperson, you feel that Salesforce doesn't really do the job. It doesn't flow easily to you. It's just, it feels more like a burden than, than actually a help. And then you start doing whatever it, it takes to organize yourself. Either you make an Excel sheet as one of the quickest things, or you use some kind of to-do app. Uh, some people even have just an A4 on which they put reminders for themselves. Right. It doesn't matter. You, you build another system next to it. And then nothing comes in Salesforce, which is what management expects, because at that point they can they can uh, they can see what's going on and and help things and forecast and coach and all these kind of things. It's just very disconnected from each other because well, Salesforce just doesn't do the job. It's it's true. It's it's actually mind blowing. I'm having an epiphany right now because <laughs> I think that if you're an organization that has, let's just say Salesforce, I hate to just I hate to single any any, any CRM out, but. If you have a CRM that your 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 AEs are being successful outside of, um, you you may you may not have a valuable CRM situation because if if they yeah if they're tracking data elsewhere if they're doing things outside the CRM that you would typically let's let's just say this say that you have important things in the CRM and you say hey these are four things that are important to us and we want to see these completed in every lead, every opportunity, every account, whatever it is, and your AEs are doing these things outside of your CRM and you're not getting any value out of your CRM at all. So no, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I wonder too, we, who is we, it we, for, we, who's the hygiene for? Is it for the AE? Is it for the leader? Um, I'm a recent AE and I feel like having that data accessible is helpful, but you're absolutely right, Yeroon. There's other places that you sort of keep your top deals organized. So um, it's an interesting point. Who, who does it really become about? Yeah, yeah. Well, but Salesforce, I mean, you, you have to cut them some slack, of course. <laughs> they, 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 they can't uh, like um, tailor to everyone. They, they are going for huge organizations where usually the, the, the balance is, uh, is tips towards the organization where it's more about uh, does this work for the organization to organize internal flows and, and do stuff that management expects mm -hmm. and all these kind of things? Um, that's what Salesforce is really great for. Um, 
we also don't pretend that we uh, can do this kind of things. Salesforce offers this thing that as an organization you get and you can completely customize and basically you, you can build your own software almost on Salesforce. You need an army of consultants to do it, but that's possible. You're a big organization, you need that. We tailor to uh, small, small and medium-sized businesses that don't need this kind of things and are much more focused on the uh, on on pragmatism on making things work on having something that works for the end user interesting that's great so along along the, the point of the of the end user the account executive just to pivot mm -hmm. a little bit for, from your perspective where should aes be spending account executives be spending their time in the crm um generally i think where what, what wherever helps them uh if they're in in b2b sales in general it's it's um the the crm should help them follow up their leads better at least that's what our all of our clients say when you ask them like why do you use the software it's to follow up my leads in a better way it's to uh know exactly when to follow up with whom what was last discussed and make sure that a lead on the other end feels like you actually care about them don't forget about them still remember stuff uh you know that it's it feels like a great sales experience um and which then ultimately leads to uh, much less lost uh, sales because in most organizations there's so much revenue lost just by doing bad follow-up because there, there isn't a real great system to organize yourself to follow up people at scale uh, because following up a, a few people uh, is, is easy. You, you can organize it in your brains if you like. You just like, oh, I still need to call that person. Uh, but if you're following up tens or, or maybe hundreds of people, it depends a bit on the, the type of sales you're doing, that becomes really, really hard and you need some sort of system. Um, so that's really the basics. Um, and you can work in many, many different ways as an AE. Um, I don't have any generalized answer for that. It depends a bit on, on what your exact role is, uh, what you're you're trying to do at that moment, whether you're trying to um, develop existing accounts based on a certain metric or whether you're, I don't know, it depends. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Let me phrase it a different way. So from a leadership perspective, Hannah and I are both direct sales managers. Um, Mm -hmm. We report into a senior director. What what are some CRM behaviors, or are there particular? I, I, we'll just say field. Is there any CRM behaviors or, or fields or anything that you that you found um, lead to a successful CRM strategy as opposed to others? Meaning, so a lot of times, I, I don't want to say a lot of times, but some organizations, I think they'll say. You know, they'll implement a CRM strategy. They'll say, um, in the op, we have these fields. Here are some fields that we want to use to kind of identify where the opportunity is at. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a, like, what, what's going to cause this opportunity to win? You know, so you fill out, like, competitor info, um, maybe some next steps, maybe some, um, you know, there's a field that says, like, literally, like, it could be um, what, what will cause this op to win. Why, or why will win. win, direct buying motives. Yeah. So are there, are there, are there any... I guess I guess what I'm asking from from your perspective, um, maybe from your customers, um, you know, what are they doing to what what CRM behaviors are they implementing that you've seen provide strong results in terms of getting the most value out of the CRM for both the AEs and leadership? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the most basic thing is is knowing that the follow up so that's it's reminders. Mm -hmm. So it's really core that you always. 
um, follow up timely, that you keep notes in every meeting. Um, then the things you know, you mentioned are certainly super useful. That's that's sort of the second level. If you don't do the first, then there's no use uh, to do to do these things. Uh, but noting next steps, noting potential blockers, uh, what success looks like for the customer, these are things that, as a salesperson, you should try to figure out if you can keep it in a nice place in your CRM. That's just awesome. Um, that's critical, that, and it keeps you really focused on um, on where you're trying to go in the sales process. I completely agree with that because I think a lot of times we'll have like we'll see a logged call and it's like great you made a call on this day but what was the outcome of that call and I think a lot of times there isn't that extra step made um, just to notate exactly what might have been said hurdles that might have come up and um, it's really useful especially if a sales process drags on a little bit to be able to reference what you've discussed over time and I think sometimes I see that at least as a manager I see that missed a lot. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's really important information. Yeah, next steps and hurdles are, are really big. I, I also think, uh, uh, maybe you can speak to this. I also think it's important that the CRM connect into, so a lot of times, AEs especially, they're using other tools to, to do this work. So it could be calendar, it could be their, obviously their email um, service, it could be, um, other forms of communication, they use LinkedIn, they use other things. So I think it's important that the CRM connect and integrate into these other platforms. That way you're not doing the work twice because I know some CRMs, they have their own calendar, they have their own way to track these things, but when you're already doing it, you just want that pulled into the CRM. You don't want to have your account executives have to do it in one place and then go ahead and do it in the other so you can see it in the CRM also where they work because that's where they're working out of every day. Um, so I know, I know Salesforce does that, right? But I think it's yeah. just a strategy, a strategy no. that's what would work. Well, definitely. I mean, I fully agree. That's it's the it's the the philosophy we had even behind the the very first versions of the software is that people are using their inbox, they're using their calendar. We don't want to replace that. Uh, we also don't want to force them to use our system uh, wherever they do what they want. I mean, if they if they book. The meetings in their calendar should work. If they book them from Salesforce, it should work. If they email from Salesforce, it should work. If they email from Gmail itself, it should work. Uh, we don't want to force people to do things a certain way. It just needs to flow naturally and it, it cannot be a blocker for people. Um, and the, ma the, the, the maximum amount of data should be built up and tracked and visualized. So, um, all right, pivoting, pivoting a little bit, um, where do you see the future of the CRM? Um, you know, basically, I don't know, CRMs, the CRM, I don't know if you call it CRM industry, but um, the, the CRM technology, what, what, where do you see that moving um, as we, as we uh, move forward? Yeah, I think that the CRMs, uh, in, in some people's brains, it's still databases. I think we've moved on a lot from that. It's not just a static database anymore where you note some stuff about a customer, maybe update uh, the status of the opportunity or so. Uh, it has really become a communication system, uh, which I think is the essence in CRM, a customer relationship management. A relationship is not defined by the information you have about a specific person. Uh, that's not... Imagine a relationship with a friend. That's not what defines your relationship. What defines your relationship is your interactions, is when you see your friends, uh, you talking to each other, calling each other, 
this is what makes a relationship. So it's only logical that CRM systems go from being databases to communication systems where the database aspect, like the information you have about the person is secondary. Uh, and the, the communication is the number one thing, like the emails and the calls and the meetings and the notes and the, all these kind of things. Um, but more and more because that is happening, CRMs become sales platforms, you could say. Uh, which means that at least sales CRMs, because they have CRMs of many kinds, but I'm, I'm speaking for a B2B sales yeah, CRMs. sales podcast. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as they become sales platforms, that means that they are also starting to get more and more of that, that good sales automation stuff that you saw popping up everywhere starts becoming part of the CRM because it totally makes sense. It's a sales platform. So all of these little companies that are essentially features be become parts of, of the CRM. Awesome. Yeah. I think that, I, th I think that's, that's so true. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, it's almost like, um, now, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I might be off base, but it seems like now there's, you know, you have your, your sales engagement platforms like Outreach and Sales Loft. You, you've had email forever. You have LinkedIn, you have Zoom info. Um, it seems to mm -hmm. me now that the CRM almost it has an opportunity to take over um, a lot of these spaces, like like continue to move into a lot of these spaces because at some point you could you could do all these things in, in the CRM. You know, I could see a world where the CRM just, you know, you, you have your, you, you create a lead, you have a contact, you, you create a lead, it turns into an opportunity. And then within the opportunity, not only is it is it integrated into your email platform, but also you could probably set up, create templates where you could have some proactive outreach. Like if I have a follow-up in four days, I can just, I have my, mm -hmm. my follow-up template, right? Or maybe I create it ahead of time so I don't have to do the work immediately. And then in four days, it just sends it out, like an automated engagement. And then maybe it'll prompt me in another four days to, to do a phone call. That, that's yeah. a lot of the sales engagement. Um, you know, people have whole sales engagement platforms to do that, but I think you could probably do a lot of that work in the CRM, especially if you're a smaller company and you don't have the budget to have six different pieces of software, you could just have a CRM that can really manage that for you. That's, that's completely correct. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's mostly something that's happening in small and medium sized businesses right now, um, in the, the enterprise space, because this, this CRM gets so customized. Uh, it's very hard to do. So there'll, there'll still be these enterprise like outreach.io is it's, it's built for enterprises. It's, it communicates with, with Salesforce. I don't think that will change very quickly, but then if you go into small and medium sized businesses, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have a CRM and an email outreach platform and then uh, a lead data thing. And then I think that connects it to LinkedIn and then, you know, all these different tools next to each other, which you then need to connect. It just, it is one thing you're doing. So it is going to become one product. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Are you ready to transition into, um, so we do a segment at the end of each podcast. It's five rapid fire questions for your room. He's not prepared for these questions. So we're going to put you on spot a little bit. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. What do you not like about being a co-founder and CEO? Um, uh, sometimes not being able to focus on what I want to focus on. Uh, sometimes I'm a bit thrown into different directions and, uh, I need to actively block off pieces in my calendar. Otherwise I, I, I have no space to think. I can, I can imagine that it's crazy. All right. Question two, 
outside of work, what is your favorite hobby? Um, favorite hobby outside work? Probably still reading. I, I do a bunch of things next to work, uh, like running and reading. and No, actually meeting up with friends. That's what I enjoy most, more than reading. Hopefully um, that's getting back to normal a little bit, the meeting up with, with friends piece um, as we transition. It is getting back to normal here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Third question. What are your thoughts on profanity in the workplace? Uh, I don't really have any specific thoughts uh, about it. In, in, in Europe, it's, it's kind of okay uh, to use it. So uh, it's not such a big thing for us as in the U.S. It's yeah, it's maybe it's I don't know. Yeah, it's a bigger it's a big thing with me. Anyway, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of profanity in the workplace. <laughs> maybe, oh, okay. I'm a little, little over enthusiastic. I feel like so. every time Hence we the ask question. that question, we ask that in interviews sometimes. And I feel like people don't really can't tell which way you're going to go with that, Jimmy. Um, we're definitely fans of it, though. <laughs> I ask it because I want to feel better about myself. So when people say, yes, I like profanity in the workplace, I feel better about my own actions. <laughs> okay. I'm not against it. <laughs> question four. This is maybe following up on, on the, the other question, one of your hobbies. What's your favorite book? Uh, I, I don't really do favorites, uh, but I'll tell you what I'm reading right now and what, what sort of books I read recently that were really good. Um, currently, I'm reading Out of the Ether. Uh, it's about the sort of the history of Ethereum, uh, cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very interesting because it's not it's just a story about blockchain technology or something. It's a it's a story about people coming together to start this kind of thing that might change the world, uh, and it's it's sort of intertwined with a, a story about the biggest heist heist on Ethereum where somebody stole uh, I think over a hundred million oh, or so that um, sounds really interesting. worth of Ethereum. Yeah, these these two stories are intertwined and it's, it's super interesting. Uh, a thing I read before was a book about um, how to write a novel um, with a with a whole system. Like it's uh, based on it's called uh, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Save the Cat is a classic uh, when it comes to uh, writing movie scripts. Um, it tells you the whole recipe on which all of the Hollywood movies almost are based. Like what are the different moments? How does it build up? Um, it's, it's, it's always practically the same, but then it applies that on writing a novel and it shows that you can write novels just the same way. Um, it's, cool. it's really cool as well. And what I read before that, I think was breath. I'm, um, I'm a biomedical engineer by background and very interested in sort of, um, how to improve health and all the developments there. And this was a, it was not the best book I've ever read in that, uh, in that area, but it was still very interesting to read, uh, what sort of things breath can do and that we never think about it. You huh. know? Yeah. It's, very uh, interesting. it's, it's next to sleep and, and exercise and, and, um, and nutrition. It's, it's sort of forgotten while it's a very basic thing as well. You're controlling your breathing and making sure that, yeah, interesting. Um, just, yeah, well, meditation is, 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 is almost all about breathing, yeah. of course. But. Um, all right, just follow-up question. Um, are you interested in writing a novel? Is that why I you're have the same book? question. Yeah. Structure of a novel? Um, 
I'm more of a nonfiction person. Uh, writing a novel, no, I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think okay. so. Okay. All right. Last question. What was your first job? Um, I'll have two answers. My, my, my first job as a student. Um, so in Belgium, it's, it's not unusual that in the summer you take a summer job. Um, my first job there was, um, flipping burgers, but <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, it was at, the the Mac Bob, uh, in Bobbejaanland, which is a fun park that was close to where I lived. Um, it was like McDonald's, but within a fun park. I, uh, flipped burgers, made French fries, um, ice cream, uh, clean stuff, just everything that needed to happen. And then my first actual professional job, uh, was, a, as a product manager at a pharma company, I was in charge of, uh, a few vaccines and I was helping other, um, product managers with their products as well. I was, um, mostly plasma based products for hemophilia and, uh, and some other immune related diseases. All right. Very cool. If, if people want to get in touch with you, um, after the podcast, what's the best or, or learn more about Salesflare, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Salesflare. It's uh, very easy. Salesflare.com. A flare is F L A R E. Uh, you can read about the software. You can immediately see it as well. If you click, try it free, uh, you get a little walkthrough. And if you like it at the end, you can uh, create an account by connecting your emails and then you have a trial, whatever. Um, and, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, there's only one person with my exact name. So if you find my name somewhere, just put it into LinkedIn, send me a yeah. connection request, uh, with, with the personal message, please, because otherwise I, I will not know what it's about. I will assume it's spam. Um, but if you include a personal message, I can, uh, certainly connect with you and we can have a chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, um, for coming on. It was, um, really interesting to learn about sales flare and you and, um, your thoughts on the CRM. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jeroen. Very Thank nice you. to see you. It was fun. Okay, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jeroen. And if you do like the podcast, do us a favor. Please subscribe. Please rate. Leave a comment. Thank you. Talk to you next time.